It's popcorn for the brain today here on the Power to Pivot podcast. I am talking with author, cartoonist, and the owner of Ghostman Radio Station, Mark Anthony Rains, aka Ghostman. Mark is the author of the book, Diary of an Essex Weirdo, and he joins me today on the show to talk about life, the world, and everything in between. Mark's podcast can be found on Red Circle, Spotify, Radio Republic, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miles, founder of March 4th Media Company, and this is the Power to Pivot podcast, where we share inspiring stories, resources, tips, and fun ideas to help you pivot to new ideas, new goals, new dreams for your own life. Are you ready? It is time to pivot. Thriller action, adventure, fantasy, and spirituality all combined into one. A Foreshadowing of Darkness by author T.B. Wayne is the book to read right now. It takes place hundreds of years after the apocalypse when humanity is starting to rise up and rebuild, coming out of the darkness. And the world looks different. Mutant creatures, monsters, the first temple and its warrior triads. These warriors are traveling the world to teach others about the power and the light of the Io, the light given to them by the One to protect and restore humanity to the light. But sometimes, as you'll see in the book, you have to become the darkness to stand against it. So discover what happens to the triad as they seek to restore the light. Head over to Amazon.com now and order your copy of A Foreshadowing of Darkness by T.B. Wayne today. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Power to Pivot podcast. I am here today with Mark Anthony Rains. Uh, how are you today? Thanks so much for joining me. I'm okay, thank you, on a cold-ish day in England where we're still okay with the coronavirus. We're not quite out of it yet, but that's like everybody anyway. So I was going to ask how things were. So it's the first day of spring here in Philadelphia. Um we have some beautiful sun, mostly the snow has melted, uh, but how are things in terms of, of Corona over there? Well, as you know, we're doing quite well the vaccine at the moment. We've got over 20 plus million people vaccinated with the first dose, mm -hmm. which is about half the country. Obviously, we're a bit worried about Europe because there seems to be possible third wave coming, but I'm not too worried about that at the moment. Because I'm pretty sure the vaccine's pretty resilient to most things. It's just uh, like everything. you just got to take a gamble in life. I think America will be in the same spot. Sometimes you just got to take that gamble coming out because you can't, take, you can't stay potentially in lockdown forever and a day. You know, it's interesting that you say that. I agree with you. I think that at the end of the day, um, there's a way that we can create almost a new new way to be where it's it's normal and we can still live our lives and move on while also still being safe in the process and and i think for the most part like i'm noticing here um i think more and more people are doing that like we still have the masks that are required everywhere we go um, i'm happy to see that you know small businesses and restaurants are opening back up and people are coming out and and it's um it's a little bit different because you know, the restaurants aren't as full as they used to be, you know, they have the social distancing, so they're half, half capacity right now. Um, 
you know, and in some cases they're half staffed too um, with reduced menus. So I think for the, you know, we're figuring it out. I think we, I think we, as a human species, if you look at history, I'm not a scientist, but I look at history, all the events we've suffered, like world wars, pandemics before, we've always come out of it pretty robust, really. I mean, it took a, took a few years. I mean, you look at World War Two, we, every country came out of it. Took a couple of years to come out of it fully, mm -hmm. and we we sort of developed back into normality, whatever normality is. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that if the one thing we have to stay on is hope and it's the hardest thing to keep up. This is true because I remember a year ago, you know, cause actually, yeah, we're just about a year out from when everything just completely shut down and it was like, nobody knew what was going on. And, um, you know, there were runs on the grocery store and, you know, people were stockpiling toilet paper here. I don't know if you had that issue in, in England, but here in the United States, you know, toilet paper was at a shortage. Um, and, uh, but I think over time, like it, it is a message, like you, you have to have hope and you look to what could be um, the bright side of things. We, and that's, that's really, an important thing to remember because we get to choose how we see it right <laughs> well that's the most important part i think we i i've i've talked to a lot of people and i admit that i've had what they they why term is a pandemic blues where you have too much the news overwhelms you too much you've got too much like one bit of good news and 10 parts bad news and it just gets to you you're mm -hmm. only human being right I mean, we, we all like a bit of good news. <laughs> Every now and then it's helpful, yes. <laughs> um, well, but here we go. So we're a year out, We've, we're here. Um, I think that it was important because we, uh, every person on the planet was impacted. It's, it's a message of hope, but I think also a message of how while the world's so big, it really is kind of small at the same time. Um, it didn't matter where you were. You know, you and I have had very similar experiences through this um, because of it. So, and, and we're in completely different continents. So I, I think that there's something to be said about that when we think about humanity. Well, I, I think that as you look at every country, we've all sort of, although we may have dealt it in different ways, we've all learned that we have to act as one. Though sometimes there's been a bit of a, who tilled who are over Europe about the uh, Oxford jab. I think they realized that they've made a mistake by saying that they, they shouldn't do this and shouldn't do that because their uptake isn't very good. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's an impact on their their situation. I think they'll wake up and uh, realize that we have to act all as one because if we don't, if we get, keep getting, like you say, we keep acting as individuals, it's a bit like the Star Trek theory, isn't it? I think we're coming, if you ever watched um, Star Trek, it, the, the theory is that we all come together as one nation. Mm -hmm. Although we really hate each other, but we don't. We come over, there's, there's a society without money. Doesn't that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that it's an important conversation because we are all one, um, and yet we still like our labels and our separation and, and almost like an us versus them mentality. And that doesn't really get us very far. I mean, I guess as individual groups, it could, but ultimately what, I think what we've learned is over time, 
as a society that doesn't really lead to progress. Well, you look at the different movements that happened. Like you had, we had the Black Lives Matters, and we've had the women over here because a case of a, um, I have to word it correctly, a suspected policeman has maybe committed a crime on another woman, mm -hmm. where the woman may have possibly died of that crime. That's what it is. <laughs> that could go down that quickly. And uh, there was lots of protests about it. But um, and then we got a lot of women having the attitude all men are like that. And I just thought, well, no, years ago, I went out my way to make sure that if a girl was on her own, I would say, oh, do you want me to walk you home to the bus stop? Mm -hmm. Or do you want me to walk into the taxi rank just to make sure you're okay? Mm -hmm. Nowadays, that would be like, what do you think you're doing? You think, oh, I'm just being what my granddad always told me to do, or my dad always told me to do. Yeah. If someone's on, you know, a woman's on their own, make sure they get home safe. And I, I think there's the going wrong, these crimes do happen, but I don't think we're ever going to be a time where these things never happen. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's important to keep it in perspective. You you bring up, you know, a good point. I think overall, people want to do the right thing, but then there's those stigmas attached to if I do the right thing, is it going to be perceived in the wrong way? Because, you know, it kind of the one thing is you're talking, I keep hearing one bad apple spoils the bunch, you know, a couple of bad situations that hit the media and all of a sudden, you know, our our mindset is completely shifted into something else and we forget who we are at the core, which is we're all people. Um, and, you know, we can approach people with a level of compassion, a level of, un even if we don't get it, you know what I mean? Like, we don't necessarily have to know, but, but having an open mind, there's something to be said about that. I think we've got to learn from history as well. I mean, we've had, uh, um, when we look at back at old attitudes, we, I, I think from now, what people don't realize that 10, years, 10, 20 years from now, you'll get somebody looking back going, my God, how did they get away with that program? Mm -hmm. They could have done that. They could have done that. It, it, things change. It, it's just how humans are. Mm -hmm. I mean, what we thought was funny in the 70s, we don't think so funny now in the 2000s. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we just, just, just had a different mindset. Mm -hmm. People can criticize it as much as they want. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna defend it because some of it was bad. I'm not gonna say it wasn't. <laughs> but that was, that was then, and and you can't take it away. It's no point saying, oh, don't show it, don't read it, don't do this. Because I think, in other words, you you don't learn from that. You can't. You can go back to that program. And go. Ah, oh, that's where they went wrong. I won't do that then. Mm -hmm. I I think learning. It, it, we have to learn. And, and I hope that at this point we've learned our, our lessons some for now, you know, um, and we'll see. But I think too, you know, when everything closed down and some of the pollution started to clear up and, you know, it makes you think like, are we going to learn when I talk, when we, you know, I think about today being the first day of spring, right? And, you know, taking care of the planet and making sure that we're doing the right things for the actual planet itself too. I mean, that's another mindset shift that we had to look at with all of this because um, 
you know, I think of the cities where the smog had kind of cleared because no one was on the roads and, and you could finally see clearly. And it's just amazing to me um, how we could lose sight of that. And ultimately, if we can, you know, shift our mindset back to the things that are the most important, um, I'm, I'm hoping that that helps us step forward in evolution and, and progress and really create some some good positive changes. I think it's happening, but but I mean, I think you'd agree. It takes time, right? Yeah, it's like everything. I mean, you're going to see the bad. That's, I mean, it's media's job to see the bad, isn't it? I mean, yes. good, news <laughs> good news doesn't sell. I mean, let's be honest about it. You say, you say that walk across the road, man won a million pounds by picking up lottery ticket. Going, oh, yeah, right. Man got run over, got knife, got shot. Oh my God! Wow, what happened there? Then? <laughs> it's the morbid curiosity of human beings. It's since the days of the gladiators, and God knows when. Is there a way to shift that? Do you think? Do you think it's a matter of just making sure that we start finding new ways to to sell the good news and and get it out there? Like, what's it going to take? I think we've just got to, yes, do both sides of the story. I think what we could do. It's like you have one lot of news that you know is just that's going to be in-depth media and they have to challenge things or whatever. And I think sometimes they just could just do for experiment only. And if it doesn't work for a month, all the TV stations in the world just have one program a week. That's just good news. Mm-hmm. You know, only for half an hour, an hour. You know, you don't have to do much. But just try it out to see if it would work. And if it doesn't work, fine, we tried it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what harm could it do? And I think if if we could do that, maybe we could do that. Um, oh, the wheels are turning now. But I, I think that even if on a global scale, it didn't pick up, even if I, I think about the fact that individuals, there's something to be said about, you know, maybe maybe just touching that one person that needed it. Because you don't, you never quite know what the effect is of the things that you put out there right you know so maybe it does reach that one person and it has it kind of then spiders out maybe in a smaller like a slower rolling bubble <laughs> of change well, there, was a, but... there was a good story in the paper the other day it wasn't here it's some up country these goats have escaped from a field and they haven't been uh uh they're all male goats and they haven't been uh Removed their parts, as I would say. So they're all um, active. <laughs> so they're trying to catch these goats oh, no. going, around, <laughs> going around everywhere. Going, and they're only little goats, but my go- the, the horns on them are like quite lethal. I'm thinking, oh, I don't fancy that job. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So tell us a little bit about you. You're an author, you're a podcaster. You know, tell us a little bit about your background. Well, basically, um, I, uh, I'll tell you a little bit how I got into podcasting first. Mm-hmm. I started back in 2017. I didn't like video at the time. I thought, what could I try? I thought I'll give podcasting a go because that seemed to be the thing that most people can get into. I um, all, all, every podcast I've ever done is from my smartphone and my Amazon Fire tablet. I've never done anything more technical than that. And um, I started on a, a, a station a, a, a program called Podbeam, but I I started to pay for the extra um, 
megabytes, but that ended up to being too costly, so I came off of that. And I ended up with, I think it was uh, when I left about 30,000 downloads. Then I went on to Anchor FM, which is a freebie site, but I can't get it some, for, no, for one reason now. It doesn't work so well on my smartphone. It could be to do the app itself. It could be an old app, I don't know. But anyway, uh, I left there and that was 60,000 downloads. And I now on Red Circle Podcast, which is like a freebie thing, but you have to promote everything yourself. You have to do all your own work. Well, you promote it, you produce it, you share it, you do everything yourself. So it's a good learning curve, really, mm-hmm. how to get yourself done. And I think, I think podcasting is still like the punk rock of radio. I we like it. Do, <laughs> we can still talk about things that most people, they can sort of talk about on national television, but they have to be wary of time constraints. And obviously advertising and news where on podcasting, you don't really have to worry about that. And not, unless you've got app sponsors, obviously, but mm-hmm. most most of us haven't. We just plow along in a little room somewhere. <laughs> yeah. What do you think is the biggest lesson you've learned through the experience? Because it is a learning curve. You know, I remember back when I launched and well, it's interesting how this podcast, if you look back to the early episodes, it has completely changed. And um but I remember not knowing anything and still going, I'm going to do it and what I know now. So for you, what has been the biggest learning experience or the biggest lesson? Biggest lesson, I think, is I learned to share more on my blog and then I get better, better response than just put it on YouTube and my station. I've realized that if you share it on a blog post, you'll get more response. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people don't always look out for you on YouTube because there's so much competition you, you, it's hard to fight it mm-hmm. and um, obviously podcast stations I mean anyone that listens into you it's quite an achievement I mean my theory is just if anyone's interested in it just go for it it's not that hard to set up just talk about something you're passionate about and mm-hmm. even if you get one listener don't worry about it because that one listener might go you know him down the road he knows what he's talking about you know yeah. listen to him yeah so tell me um I think it, it's more about the fear in our heads, right? Like for me, I think I, I wrestled with the idea a um, couple of weeks. <laughs> I think I did a podcast, like I was a guest on somebody's show and uh, which was a scary experience, the first couple that I did. And then I was kind of like, oh, I kind of like this. Can I do this? And I would be like, yeah, I can do it nope I'm not gonna do it I kind of did this back and forth with myself for a little while and then I went well the heck with it like why not because I'm just gonna go with it um and so I put out a couple of episodes but I was still really afraid and I think that's ultimately what stopped me because I took a break long break um for a little while um and, and I guess I kind of needed that, too, because I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with the show. I just kind of knew I had something to say. But it, it really came down to the fear, right? I mean, well, maybe. Was that for you? I don't want to assume. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I just went for it. I just thought, well, I've got nothing to lose. I'm, I'm only a small fish in a very big pond. And I just thought, even if I'm just talking to myself, it's a nice little hobby to have. Mm-hmm. And that's how I did it, basically. And then I got into writing, writing. 
Um, I started writing my first book I ever did was with a collaboration with an occultist called Simon Robb. Mm-hmm. And he wrote the occult bit and I wrote the martial arts bit. And it's called Cartoon Occult Martial Arts. It's a very weird book. <laughs> I did something, I did the illustrations as well. Mm-hmm. And that got me inspired, it got me into the habit of how to write and how to do it properly. So it was a good experience. So I thought, oh, why not give it a go? I mean, most of my books are more horror, come comedy, come paranormal, come kind of stuff. Mm. But I decided to write my own autobiography. And the reason behind that is because I suffer from a thing called small vessel disease of the brain, which means you have problems with your cognitive skills like memory and speech and movements and all sorts of wonderful weird things it's normally as you get a little bit older but i'm not in that category i'm coming up to 60 next year so i'm a bit earlier than most i've only got a very i've got a milder form than most people have but i i like to talk about it because it makes people realize that it could happen to them so i thought why not write a book about myself and i thought you know might be some people interested so i i I, I call it Diary of an Ex-Essex Weirdo, because I come from Essex originally. Mm-hmm. And um, I put my little bits about, I wrote it a little bit about my family, a bit about me, a bit about what, how I met my wife, uh, my suicide attempts, my oh, getting married and the difficulties we had with our husband. Not all the details, obviously, I left some out because mm-hmm. I didn't want to upset the family too much. And I basically did it. Um, I've got a fairly good response from it. Most people are giving the book away free to quite like it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not too worried if I don't make big money out of it. I just like people to, if it inspires someone else to think, oh, I've got a story I should write about. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I mean, I've got, it's full of writing mistakes and grammar mistakes everywhere. An English teacher would probably pull their hair out. <laughs> Oh my God! What the hell have you done? An, an editorial nightmare. No, I. I mean, I've read it. I. I think it's a great book. Um. So I think we're very similar in the sense of being willing, uh, to share those experiences, and, you know, for me, it's a matter of I don't. I don't want people to to go through it. I want people to realize that they're not alone, and it gives people things to think about. Um, and how they they the experiences that they have gone through for themselves i i think your book um i i appreciated it very much um the fact that you wrote it you were willing to share you know the good the bad you really do put a lot of a lot of it like the stuff out there um which isn't easy well no no that's why i thought you'd be honest i thought i thought about it i thought no i've got to write i mean obviously as i said i left bits out but I didn't leave, I put him about my near-death experience, which is quite a big influence in my life because basically, um, if anyone's never heard of it, I'll tell them again. Um, <laughs> basically, I had a, 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 I was very ill. I was getting very dizzy and um, the doctor said at the time he thought it was to do my uh, ear infection, but my wife obviously said, no, it isn't that. They co- um, when, uh, when they come, he smelled anatode, smelled my breath. And uh, they had, he called the ambulance out. I don't remember any of this, so I've only got by my wife's account. And um, uh, when the ambulance came, they tried to get a blood sugar level. They couldn't at the first or the second time. And the third time, it's one, two, four. So I went to Barnstable North Devon Hospital, where I was taken, I was half an hour in ED, 
then straight to ICU, where obviously I was putting in a coma. I was in my coma for three weeks, and whilst I was in my coma, I heard a woman's voice that I have not heard before or since, telling me to wake up, and I have the most overwhelming feeling I ever had to wake up. Now, I know a lot of people, I, I, I say this a lot, a lot of people think it could have been my brain playing tricks, or it could be an hallucination of the chemicals. I accept that it could be that. But my personal belief, and this is only my personal belief, so I, I would say that, it's, it was my guardian angel. And the reason why I call myself Ghostman, if anybody is interested, is that whilst I was in my coma, I was neither in this, this world or the next world. So therefore, I was a ghost. Mm-hmm. It's such a powerful story. And I, I'm kind of with you. I've had experiences. Well, I mean, the power to pivot. This is where you pivot. That was the first time I heard it. I was like, in a camping trip no one was there except me and one other person and all of a sudden I look around and I I was so loud and I was so aware in that moment it was like it was just me and that voice and I agree with you I guess I could accept the fact yeah it could be my brain like okay but I don't feel that I, I feel like it was something bigger something beyond me going literally wake up like this is your moment to kind of get it or not and if you're not okay but please do and those moments are really powerful and profound well yeah they are because i think sometimes um well when i had mine I, i honestly believe and i've talked to a few people that have had coma type experiences and they agree with me they they all feel like we've touched something Mm -hmm. like a I've I've I'm a great believer that we perceive our own heaven and own hell because mm-hmm. we've all been influenced so much by whatever religion you believe in or whatever else you believe in. Mm-hmm. I think we've been influenced so much that when we finally go, like the the, the Star Trek, because again I like Star Trek because I like referring to it. <laughs> it it's the final frontier, you know. <laughs> you know, but man will boldly go, but unfortunately I might not be becoming to come back. I don't know unless it's reincarnation. I don't know about that. But anyway, um, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Did the voice have a figure? Like, did you see a face? Or was it really just that voice and that that sense of presence beyond you? It was just a voice and a sense of presence, really. I didn't see a face as such. Um, I just, I just, it was so strong. I mean, it was like literally like, uh, like saying to me to wake up. And like, you know, when you really want to do something and you can't control it. Mm-hmm. You know, like your body comes overwhelmed with a sense of power that you don't know where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, I woke up, I, I, you know, when I, obviously when you first come out of coma, it's like, oh, where am I? You know, just look around. All you hear is beats and machines mm-hmm. and doctors and all that. I, it took me ages to get rid of that sound of beep. If I heard a beep, it sort of triggered like a PSD, TD moment, you know. It was sort of like a trauma, not like full on, but it took you back to that room. Maybe even now when I watch soaps and I see the machine going beep, 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 I'm sort of back in that room sort of thing. Once you did wake up, what was the reaction of the people around you as they're sharing, as you're sharing with them this experience? Well, obviously, total disbelief. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, you've got to be probably go, yeah, okay, mate, <laughs> right. 
quick taking down the loony bin quick oh. <laughs> <laughs> um but but you you it's like anybody who's ever gone through any experience i mean if you know you was there they wasn't so only you know the situation and if if you're willing to stick your nose nose out there and you're willing to keep saying it they know you're sticking to what you're saying you're not just going oh well i won't say it anymore because i'm getting a bit embarrassed because people like saying it's a load of bunkum you've got to stick to your guns because that's what it is isn't it it's experience it's it get you know it also breaks down a barrier because if you get the um it, it helped me to do other things, you know. I'm, you know, it got me more into the paranormal world. I started off in the world of cryptozoology, believe it or not, because my friend of mine is a well-known cryptozoologist in UK called Jonathan Downs, mm-hmm. and I used to live where he lives now, the Wolvesbury, mm-hmm. and I uh, volunteered to help him out, and uh, <laughs> and I always remember that when he, I used to help him out on a thing called Weird Weekend. We used to do. Uh, carrying stuff and stuff like that. And I once won a award of a, a certificate and a painted plastic gold monkey. Huh? But it was it's that kind of event. It was it, it was like a a fun kind of event uh-huh. around the world of cryptozoology. Yeah, people go, oh yes, those weirdos. Yes, I know all about them. Well, so I'm I'm wondering, like, when you think back and you okay, so you woke up. And people are looking and thinking, okay, there's no possible way. Like you, no, you didn't hear anything. Um, and of course, you know, you did. Do you feel like it was a wake up call for you for your life? Um, and how, like, how would you describe that? Like, is it, is it really like the universe going, there's more for okay. you here? I think sometimes when you look back at it, on the time you didn't, if you can reflect a bit and if you can, yeah, perhaps it wasn't my time up yet. Perhaps that ticking clock up in the sky hasn't rung the alarm bell yet. Perhaps my, it reminded, obviously it reminds you of mortality, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it makes you more aware of things. It doesn't still stop you getting depressed or being, I, I suffer from depression, I suffer from paranoid thoughts. I've had lots of anxieties. I'm just a normal average human being in some ways. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't stop you that. I mean, I wouldn't say it, it, it magically cured me. <laughs> I wouldn't dare say that. But I, I think it's made me more aware that there's something there. I mean, I couldn't say what it was because, as I say, what my definition is may be completely different from yours and from someone else's. Mm-hmm. I think you bring up an important point because it's not about the fact like you don't wake up and everything's magically better or fixed. Um, but there's this sense of maybe uh, curiosity about what else is there. Um, because you know, there's more, you woke up for a reason. Um, whether it's, you you could say it just wasn't my time or, I mean, you could say the doctors just did their job, whatever you want to say, it doesn't matter. You're still here. So, again it's not the case of you know you have it all figured out it's it's you're having this experience and the experience continues and it from that experience though you've turned it into um 
a way to learn more. Like you are just diving in and, and learning about the, the writing process and the podcasting and you're like totally open to all these new experiences and you're willing to share. And I think well, yeah. there's tremendous yeah. power there. Well, I also, uh, because of my, my friendship with my uh, friend, John, he runs a, uh, he does a, like an alternative magazine called Gonzo Weekly Online. Mm -hmm. He kindly lets me draw the cartoons on that. And I, I, yeah, I'm not saying I'm the greatest cartoonist in the world, but it's a great to have your pub work published, a, a sense of publication, isn't it? Mm -hmm. To be uh, recognised in this world is important. Tell me about your creative process. Like, how do you approach art when, when you're sitting down to create, whether it's the drawing or the podcasting or, or writing, you know, for, for your books? You know, is there a way that you approach it um, or you just kind of let it flow? Well, well, if I'm writing a good horror story, normally my best horror stories, I hate to admit this, is when people upset me a bit. Mm -hmm. I think, aha, I'll get revenge on them. <laughs> uh, you wait. They're you write end from the human experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm being honest. I mean, we're all like that, isn't it? We could yeah. get our revenge, but I could get my revenge back in a horror way. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I've been a great fan of horror for a long time, since the days of Hammer Horror. And um, I once was a guest on an online horror show with a man called Bobby Gamanster. Mm -hmm. And he did a re the weirdest interview I've ever done. He didn't have a microphone. He didn't have a camera. So I, I had to do the typing. He had to do the typing back. And I had to do, uh, ask the questions and answer the questions myself. Mm -hmm. But it, it inspired me to be, become like a horror host. I'm not like, I do like, it, my all my horror stories are like old public domain stories I do write my own as well I have a brief I have lately done redone some of my old old horror stories to make them change them around a bit to so I can include the old um because of my stories I can change them around and I just I just like them because it's just a bit of escapism that's all it is I mean I know we've got the real horror at the moment but it's just nice to escape do you think, what is it that makes a good horror story? Because, I, I mean, there's certainly the element of the human factor, but, you know, I think about, I, I don't know, what do you think makes a good horror character or the horror Well, I think, I think a good horror story has to have the hero, the heroine, the monster, the bad guy, mm -hmm. and a good sense of slice of humor in it somewhere to break mm -hmm. the break the humor. A horror so you don't always see it coming mm -hmm. so you sort of like write something you this do you, do you master the fact that something scary is going to come in the next second mm -hmm. you like you if you watch the old horrors mm -hmm. the old classics like lou cheney and um bella Lugosi, there's always a little bit of humor in there somewhere mm -hmm. yeah and you know like yeah and and they work because it's a story those are horror element. I mean, I, I know people like say, "Oh, what about blood and guts?" And all? yeah, that's there's nothing wrong with that. I, I watch them as well, but I do like a story film. Sometimes I like a horror that's got a good story mm -hmm. because then you, you're more invested in it. Right, you can escape into the characters, and it's not just about having that next jump scare or you know. 
I think about the um, the horror movies that I've gravitated towards, and they usually, I agree, they are the ones that have more of a plot to it, where I can kind of get immersed in the story, and then it's almost like when those scares happen, I get an even bigger effect because I've I've like totally forgotten that I'm watching a horror movie, um, and and I'm like thinking about the characters and what's like them and where they are in the moment. And, and, and it's like all films, isn't it? No matter what gender you watch, if you're not invested in the character in the film, mm-hmm. you don't watch the film. Because many films you watch about half an hour, you think, this is far too slow, I can't watch this. It's, I've not got invested in any of the characters at all. Even if it's a character you should really hate, but you're thinking, oh, I'll watch it, because I quite like him. I mean, I mean me and my mum, when my mum was alive, we used to watch a lot of soaps. And our favourite character is JR in Dallas. Because mm-hmm. we always used to think, oh, what's he going to do this week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was that sense of, oh, what they're going to do. We always knew that he was going to do something and the bad guy was going to beat the good guy most of the time. Yeah. But, <laughs> but we, we just like watching it for that reason. There's nothing wrong with that because that's how wrestling works. And I loved wrestling because cause it's that good guy versus bad guy scenario. What do you think about like when I think about some of the the um, the wrestling? It's interesting you mentioned that because I think it gets a bad rep, and and maybe to some degree so does horror. I guess when I think about it, all genres can. Um, when it comes down to they they say it's like that cheesy factor. It's, it's like, is it bad writing? Is it just a, it's the medium doesn't fit the um, the the element where like they just it's a not a good fit like what when we think about the cheesy stories out there um or maybe they're just too predictable well i think that i think what people forget is there's no new stories as such it's been all every story that you've ever watched has been done before Mm -hmm. there's only so many storylines you can come up with as that's run out eventually <laughs> but it, 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 it's always good if you get behind a, if someone plays a really really good bad guy in, in wrestling people people will go, really go to a stage and think oh my god I really hope he gets beaten or you get really invested in a good guy you think oh, oh, oh you, you cheer and you get really invested it's a bit like the gladiators but without the death mm-hmm. So what's next for you with any projects that you're currently working on? Where are you headed? Well, I'm just carrying on doing my podcasting. I'm writing. I don't write books so much now because it's, it's such a long-winded process. It takes a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. Plus getting up at four, three or four o'clock in the morning writing a book is not very conducive to your wedding, <laughs> marriage. And where, where people just, your wife goes, what are you doing up? I'm writing a book. Go to bed. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. It's too like you don't. <laughs> because you've had out of that idea. You've just got that idea going, I just come up with an idea and I'm just going to write it down and I've forgotten what I'm going to write. It's so funny. I just, carry on, I just carry on doing what I do, that's all. And where can we find you? If people want to reach out, how can people hear your podcast and um, how can people find you? Well, uh, well, it's quite easy. You just look up Ghostman Radio Station. And it'll come up on Google and any other book browsers available. And you can look up my name, Mark Anthony Rains, A-R-A-I-N-E-S. And not uh, Anthony without the H, just a T. 
And um, you'll see my horror shows. You'll see my cartoons. You'll see lots of my video stuff. My, my YouTube channel is the same, Mark Anthony Rains, a.k.a. Ghostman. My blog is Ghostman on Blogspot. Um, cartoons available on Gonzo Weekly. And basically, I, I, I do a bit of singing on the side, but I wouldn't. My, my wife says the cats would rather drown themselves backwards in, with Irma. <laughs> Oh my! I don't know what she's trying to say. Oh my! <laughs> um, I don't know, but no, no I, I give it. I, I'm not going to say. I'm. I just like to do it because I like to do it. It's. it's I think everyone should have it go, go it. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be X Factor um, material. I mean, the first most powerful song I ever wrote was about my near death experience, which I called "Not My Time in Heaven." Which obviously on the title, and um, I was lucky enough that um, a musical group that I interviewed some time ago called Electric Mud let me use one of their bits of music with my song. I asked them permission first, obviously I didn't just do it, but he kind of lent me the track so I could put my words to it, and it, and I just and I, I was very I was very nice of them to do that. I always appreciate that because mm -hmm. it's always nice when other fellow artists would control could collaborate with you mm -hmm. even though they don't have to mm -hmm. absolutely all right well i'm gonna make sure that we put some links in our show notes to all of your your a variety of your things um so people can reach out can check it out um i appreciate you being here with us do you have a send-off for us as we wrap up the show well, yeah, as you know, uh, as you've been on my show, you always, uh, you know, you know that you know. Like, I like to ask people for what is your unique sign-off. Well, Mark, what is your unique sign-off? Thank you for asking, Mark. Well, my unique uh, sign-off is this: I've been on Elizabeth Mills' shows today, and I had a good chat from the lady in the USA. It's sunny and bright over there, but it's just cloudy and dull as it is always in the UK. But sometimes we'll come and meet. We have a, a meet and a greet and a cup of tea or coffee and some cake or some cookies, as you would say. And please come and listen to me and my podcast and don't let me talk to myself. It's not so lonely. I'm all right, oh, you know. I don't mind a bit. If you like a bit of horror, you like a bit of reading, you like a bit of Doctor Who, you like a bit of everything. I call myself popcorn for the brain. You take a little bit, you might know a little bit more. Or you might put it back in the packet and throw it in the bin. But hey, that's just life. Popcorn for the brain. I love it. Thank you so much, Mark, for being here today. That's okay. <laughs> and for for us, our normal send-off, as always, is you are never stuck, you are never lost, and you are never alone. At any given moment, you can use your own power to pivot, make a new choice, and start again. And with that, I will see everybody on the next episode. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Mark. Ta-ta-ta, everybody. Ta-ta-ta. Hey 
Hey guys, it's Liz here from March 4th Media Company. One of the biggest lessons I have ever learned is it is difficult to get what you truly want when you're defining life and your standards by everyone else's definitions. That got me nowhere. I spent so much time, effort, and energy looking around me for answers that I forgot that I had everything I needed right inside of me. What I did lack was a guide to find my way to those answers. And that is exactly what I'm offering you in my new workbook, Connect You, A Guide to Your Authentic Life. This is a workbook that I have written to provide you with a roadmap to connect you with the innermost pieces that make you unique, authentic, and amazing, helping you to tap into the power and possibility within you. It's filled with lessons, activities, content, meditations that are going to guide you to help you learn how to honor your own definitions of success, set boundaries and goals that feel really good to you, and understand your intuition and how to trust it. Take the trip. Connect You, a guide to your authentic life is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, or reach out to me online on Instagram, Facebook, or over at marchforthmediacompany.com to grab your your copy. Thank you so much to Mark Anthony Rains, Ghost Man, for joining me on the show today. Let's continue the conversation over on social media. Find us online at www.marchforthmediacompany.com or Instagram, March 4th Media Co., as well as Twitter, Snapchat, and Facebook. And now you can even find us on YouTube. At March 4th Media Company, we believe that positive change happens when we open our hearts and minds to new conversations and new ideas. You are an important part of that conversation, and we can't wait to hear from you. Again, go to www.marchforthmediacompany.com and sign up for our newsletter, check out the blog, meet some of the other amazing artists and creatives that we've talked to here on the show and grab a copy of our free guide and self-love workbook. Thanks again for tuning into today's episode. And until next time, remember your power to pivot.